0: All right. so again, tonight we're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 1. We started this book two weeks ago, and as we began this book, we talked about the context. Peter is in the latter stages of his life. In fact, in this book, he mentions that his time of departure is soon at hand. He knew he was getting ready to step into eternity, and we'll see that in next week's text. And then we know that in 1 Peter, he talked about having a... a, a good witness as a follower of Christ in a, in a Roman Greek world and just being above reproach. And, and if you suffer for doing good things, then good for you. But if you suffer for being uh, foolish or being evil, then there's no merit in that. And, and it's just a good thing to commit ourselves to the Lord when things are unfair in life and to let him have our back or vindicate us or just give that to the Lord and he'll straighten it out. And that was pretty much, ma- pretty much the full theme of first Peter. Just that faithful witness, no matter what's going on externally outside the church. But this book deals with more like the challenges that were coming up and arising within the church with false teaching and people who say they're believers, but their lives don't match up and stuff like that. And we'll get to more of that as we get a little deeper into the book. But as we saw two weeks ago, the foundation in the beginning of the book is this like precious faith that this uh, common faith that we've obtained through believing in Jesus Christ. So the context, of course, is written to followers of Jesus Christ. And it's through, you know, Peter the Apostle being led by the Holy Spirit. It's the word of God and just a lot of practical stuff. And he talked about those exceedingly great and precious promises that are given to us. And as he opened up this book and laid the foundation of the book, he emphasized just how important those promises were. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it is the promise of, promises of God from Genesis to Revelation by which our faith is built up. And, and so he talked about these exceedingly great and precious promises. He talked about giving us the power that we needed through the Holy Spirit, being born again in the Spirit, giving us all things pertaining to life and godliness that this power has been availed to us. So it's really interesting that he said, hey, first of all, we have obtained this like precious faith in Jesus Christ that God has given us to to us all things pertaining to life and godliness through the Holy Spirit, the power of God. And then we have these great promises availed to us by which we can live a triumphant life. Believing and trusting in these promises really would be the full application. And then he talked about the last thing that we saw, escaping those things that had previously, uh, you know, the corruption is in the world. So in verse 4 he said, we have these exceedingly great and precious promises that we've received, And through these, we are partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And we ended last week, two weeks ago, about escape. You don't like to escape from a pleasant experience. You need to escape from unpleasant experiences or or life-threatening experiences, the great escape, if you will. And through Christ dying on the cross for our sins, we have an escape from sin's victory over our life, the devil's victory over our life, and the grave's victory over our life. We have the great escape through faith in Jesus Christ. And now we pick it up tonight in uh, verse 5. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. So, as we go forward now, in this book, sorry, just looking for my glasses. It's just so much easier with my glasses. i got to tell you, can I get a witness? It's so much easier with my glasses on. So, verse 5, two phrases that just get my attention and, and just pull at our hearts. Giving all diligence and then add to your faith. Giving all diligence. As I've been recovering from surgery, major surgery on my head, um, I've had a lot of downtime. And during this time, my life has pretty much stopped where it's been very active for longer than I can remember. And I've had the opportunity just to lay down and listen to Bible studies while laying there. I'm a captive audience because I'm not going anywhere and I'd feel kind of lightheaded if I got up. And so I've had the opportunity to listen to uh, over 40 Pastor Chuck Bible studies in the last 10 days from the 70s. It's just been so edifying and encouraging. And just listening to Chuck teach back in the 70s, it's called the C2000 series from 79 to 85, where he's giving an application. He's talking about Jimmy Carter being the president. It's pretty cool. It's pretty awesome. It's like, wow, you know, it's actually very captivating and to hear the authority and the consistency of the word of God from Pastor Chuck at Calvary Costa Mesa, you know, 40 years ago. It's amazing. But in that, in a lot of these Chuck studies, I've been reminded by phrases that jump out in passages. And time and time again, Pastor Chuck would be teaching a text and he'd point out the simplest phrase. For example, Ezekiel but I was left behind. And a whole message would come from that phrase, but I was left behind. Why God would leave you behind and the purpose of that. And as I listen to so many of these studies, uh, Joseph, God was with Joseph in the Old Testament. Just one simple phrase and a whole message. And honestly, when I look and I think of how God's been speaking to me, listening to the Chuck tapes and preparing to teach this passage two weeks ago, I was prepared to teach these verses two weeks ago. <clears throat> excuse you, and I was prepared to teach this and I, I didn't because I just felt like it was just too much and I felt like the Lord really spoke to us through the first few verses. So I've actually was prepared to teach this verse 5 two weeks ago and then reviewing it this week and really honing in on it. I just keep being drawn to this phrase giving all diligence. <clears throat> giving all diligence. And again, I've talked about with working with the U.S. Olympic Committee and i did a two-hour interview today with a very famous uh, writer from uh, Australia, Nick Carroll, the brother of the world champion, Tom Carroll. And he was asking me a lot about the U.S. Olympic surf program, where we're at, because he's here. He does a lot of stuff with us, Team Australia and just different things. And, but he talked about how so much of what we study is full commitment of Olympians, full commitment of champions, Full commitment of champion organizations. And again, we've studied like the All Blacks rugby from New Zealand or you know, even on my own studying Manchester City soccer and champions of the, Euro, you know, the Premier League. And, and I've been disciplined as a coach on an elite level to study excellence in sports. Why have the New England Patriots been so good for so long? The consistency of the same coach and quarterback, things like that. And I've mentioned this many times, but I think I always apply it to my walk with the Lord, being a pastor, and what the Lord has for worship generation. You need to know that. Whatever I'm taking in, as it works through like this chalkboard, you know, with X times Y equals Z, it always comes back to what does this mean with me, me and my walk with the Lord Jesus Christ at 57? What's it mean in my marriage, my children, my home, and worship generation? All the equations, no matter what I'm studying, come back to the kingdom of God. But in this studying, what has fascinated me is how completely given people are to greatness for the temporal. And we talk about this with with Paul the Apostle when he wrote the Corinthians. He said, all run, but only one wins and run to win. And of course, he said, the world, and he compared it to Olympian athletes, they run for a perishable crown, but we, through faith in Jesus Christ and the life God has called us to, living a life of faith, we run for an imperishable crown. So Paul said, this is honorable, but just know that the Olympians run to win. They're not training to participate. They are training to win. They're giving it everything they have, like Roman gladiators, if you will. And so we're told in our faith and our walk and our calling with the Lord and we're going to see later on, let your election and calling be sure that we're told to run to win in the life of faith and we do so for an imperishable crown. It's an amazing contrast that the Holy Spirit gave the pursuit of greatness in the human experience of sports versus the pursuit of greatness in obedience to the upper call of God in Christ Jesus and there. They're, they're there in First Corinthians 9, and it's such an amazing contrast. So when I look at right here, and it says giving all diligence, I think of all over the planet right now where elite athletes all over the planet are training without any distraction and absolute razor-sharp laser focus for one thing, Tokyo 2020. There are athletes in every time zone on this planet, I would imagine, if not very close to that, who have aspirations to go for the gold, and their whole life is driven, their whole life is, is completely driven for one day of greatness in August of 2020 in Tokyo, right now. They go to bed thinking about it, representing their country, representing their sport, their village, and, and, and this is going on all over the planet in anticipation of the Olympics. Olympics. And they are giving all diligence to leave no stone unturned, to be at absolute best. So in working with the U.S. Olympic Committee, we have the best nutritionists in the world. We have the best sports surgeons in the world for orthopedic arth- arthroscopic surgery, recovery, torn MCLs, whatever. And it's, and, and it's severely... So if you can imagine, and, and all these people come from all over the world to work and learn from the USOC. So whether it's nutritionist or uh, sports surgery or sports recovery or, or muscular development and muscular... I mean, literally breaking down the science of different tendons and how they work to be at the highest level, to be at the full peak, giving all diligence for one day, one opportunity to go for the gold. And if it's reverse engineering, you can go online and you can see what day, what sports are in the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. Or even the Pan Am Games in Lima, Peru next year, for that matter, where surfing will make its debut in an Olympic venue and you can reverse engineer that, like, this is the day there's going to be gold medal, bronze medal, silver medal, and you come backwards. And I think about how all over, like, I follow different countries. I follow in Peru what the Peruvian uh, Sports Federation is doing to get ready for the Pan Am Games in their home country and, and the Olympics. And, I, and you see, and you come backwards. And it's all diligence for one moment in time on a date on a calendar and a day planner for 2020, And that day will come, and it'll go, and only one will win the gold. And then people will be talking about Paris 2024, and then it'll be L.A. 2028. And I I just think to myself, just in a sense, not to demean or take away or degrade in any way the value and the commitment of those things... But I, honestly, as a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ and a pastor of a, in the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I think, how, how much diligence? For what? For what? For what? You see, these are elite athletes given Olympian preparation and effort For one opportunity, maybe two, if they have a long career, for one day to be the greatest in the world at something, and then what? The Holy Spirit says it's a crown that perishes. But when you and I wake up every day and we give all diligence to pursue our faith in Jesus Christ, to add to our faith, to grow in the character of Christ, to grow in the pursuit of obedience to the Lord, to handle things in a manner that's pleasing to the Lord and spirit-filled and honoring. And we live with the sense of eternity in our hearts. And we reverse-engineered the day that we step into eternity, not a a summer date in August of 2020, but literally, where is it in our future, on our calendar? Where is it that last day when we step into eternity? And what will it look like on that day? And we will be found ready. And will we be found fully committed to the task at hand. The great things that human beings do to be fully diligent and giving all diligence in the pursuit of athletic greatness, financial greatness, academic greatness, political greatness. And then what? I see this passage from the great apostle Peter in the last season of his life. And as you really sense eternity coming in your world, in your wheelhouse, as we say, then suddenly everything else is so insignificant compared to the day of the Lord. Eternity gets really sharp when you know it's coming for you. And then suddenly you measure things by eternity, and it's like, what's it matter? All the wealth in the world, all the power in the world, all the opportunities in the world, all the greatness in the world, all the accolades, it doesn't... The things that people apply, the sons of Adam, daughters of Eve, they apply full diligence in pursuit of, for so often for things that pass away. And we are told here by the Apostle Peter and the Holy Spirit to apply all diligence to add to our faith. In a sense, it's the Holy Spirit calling us for our very best effort. Because all diligence means that's the main thing. When you apply all diligence, all diligence, that means you're going after it with everything you have. When Luke, our son, was taking 20 units at Grand Canyon University two semesters ago, it, it's what he lived. It's what he breathed. He was there on campus in Arizona, and it was 20 units, straight A's. It was everything. He went to bed with that goal, he woke up with those goals. It was everything, and it was all diligence. There was no coming up for air, if you will. He was so locked in and laser focused on what his objectives were at college. There was room for nothing else. That was it. You take twenty units in college, and you're a straight A student. It's it's everything. It, it just requires all diligence. And that was for an academic pursuit which he'll complete in just a few semesters with his degree. That's the focus. That's the application that the Holy Spirit is looking for in the life of a disciple of Jesus Christ. We're going to be in Luke 14 Saturday. And that's where Jesus says, if you want to come after me, they must hate their father and mother, and yes, even hate their own life. For he who does not forsake all is not worthy to be my disciple. That's where we're headed on Saturday night. And that's a powerful passage where, of course, God is love, so he's not teaching hate, but it's contextual. Jesus must have supremacy. Or as Billy Graham used to say, either Jesus Christ is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And when you read all diligence, this is the heart of an apostle Led by the Holy Spirit saying, give all diligence. Don't ever, don't, don't get, you know, it's like the parable of the Sawyer where it's the cares of this life or persecution and things that distract. Give all diligence day by day to pursue passionately with everything you got to add to our faith. Give all diligence. That's the application of the Holy Spirit in this text. Now we're here on a Tuesday night, which means we're definitely prioritizing the things of the kingdom. But give all diligence means when you wake up, that's what you're thinking about. And it's not a have to, it's in you. It's really it's in you. It's not like, oh, I need to give all diligence. Like it's when you really see the kingdom and you're really a disciple, everything's measured by that. Like everything falls under that. Jesus is the Lord. And we give all diligence. If we're in our rookie season for the New England Patriots, we're going to show up every day under the ownership of Robert Kraft and the head coach Bill Belichick, and we're going to give all diligence to be the very best we can be, or we're going to be out. Now, Jesus doesn't cut people. (laughs) He might bench you, give you less playing time, uh, but Paul said to run to win. And here Peter says, give all diligence. When Jesus spoke to the church uh, of Laodicea, he said, I wish that you were hot or cold, but not lukewarm. There in Revelation chapter three. Jesus' last words to the church in the church age was, you know what? Either be all in or all out, but don't, don't be halfway there with me. Because the cross is not about ambiguity, or a tie, or halfway there. The cross and the empty tomb is total victory. And it's a total rout for the kingdom against the powers that war against us. And we can, and we just saw two weeks ago, exceedingly great and precious promises has given us all things pertaining to this life, and it's there for us. So there's no reason that anyone, any woman, any man who confesses Jesus Christ cannot attain to greatness in their faith and their walk with Jesus Christ as greatness is defined by the Lord. All in, total obedience. All diligence. We live in a time in an age which I suppose is nothing new under the sun. But the cross is not about convenience or comfort. The cross is about deliverance from sin and death, and the power of the devil, and the resurrected Jesus Christ cries out with his blood total victory, and a call to victory, and a call to priority, and it's always the right time to give all diligence to pursue the things that really matter. The main thing is the main thing, and the main thing is always going to be to grow in Christ, to grow in our faith, That's always going to be the main thing. That's the main thing of September 4th. It's the main thing of September 5th. If it's the main thing of every day, it'll be the main thing of your last day. And that's how you want to be found. To be about the Father's business. Jesus said, we just saw it. Who is that good and faithful servant whom his master so finds at his coming? Blessed is that faithful servant whom his master finds doing his will at his coming. Giving all diligence, being sober, alert, and vigilant to the things of God and then he said and to add to your faith the, the Lord you know people want to add we want to add to our uh, our bank account we want to add to our assets we want to add to our income I mean I think we can all agree Do we probably everyone in this room be like hey would you like your income subtracted or increased we'd say of course add to my income you know like that's what we would think You'd think that, add, we want to add. We're kind of like that guy in Luke, like the parable where Jesus says, the guy says, I'm going to build bigger barns. You know, it's like we, it's our disposition to want to increase. We, when speaking with my good friend, Steve Thorne, uh, when he invested in a major investment in a business in Mexico years ago, and I said, you're doing so successful in American businesses with these things. Why would you, you know, go that direction? He goes, Joey, you got to understand in business, if you're not adding and growing, you're decreasing and dying. You, you have to have a vision to expand. And, and that really is true. And even again, going back to Olympic training, they say when you're at your greatest success is when you have to look for the little things to how you can be even more successful. You have to look at how you can surpass successes already attained attained. That's why great businesses and great sports franchises fall apart, that they become successful and they rest on their laurels and they're not adding and increasing. They start to kick it in a drink from, uh, as it says in Jeremiah, broken cisterns, not the living water. So instead of growing and getting, uh, improving their brand or how to stay competitive, they just rest on their laurels and eventually they die. Or as we say in ministry, you have a, a movement, then you have a machine, and then you have a monument. That's what they say about churches and denominations because you don't add a movement the holy spirit a machine because man takes it over and because man takes it over whatever he touches he kills then you have a monument and then you know you have a mausoleum you have dead churches that were once great movements we have to add to our faith that can be us we we have to we have to have that desire to grow in our faith like Paul said into the Philippians, not that I've attained, but I press on to the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. I forget what's behind and I press on what lies ahead. We have not attained and we're not going to fully attain. Therefore, it, is, it can be at all diligence on a daily basis to grow in our faith for that day. And when we say grow in our faith, Jesus is the object of our faith. So to grow in our faith and our confidence in who he is, what he's done, what he's doing, what he's promised, where he's at, and what he's going to do to grow in our confidence in the Lord. We want to be so Christ-confident in our lives, whether we're in sixth grade or in assisted living. We want to be so Christ-confident in any situation. We want to be women of courage and character. We want to be men of conviction and vision and have confidence no matter what the odds seem to be. When you look at the great men and women of the Bible, it was never about numerical odds or anything. They had faith that was growing. And they were in service to the Lord. And so what would completely overwhelm other people who were not growing and going forward and adding to their faith was the exact opposite for people who were. All you have to do is look at King Saul and the whole army of Israel and they're terrified by Goliath. David's growing in his faith every day with the Lord. He loves the Lord. He's in all diligence adding to his faith. And he, he's like... Also, he he just he, he was completely unfazed by the circumstances because his faith was great in the Lord. Deborah, when she led Israel, she depended upon the Lord daily to lead the people of God as a judge for the Lord. And when faced with the the battles of her day, she just it was like, of course, the Lord's going to give us victory. Stop being a coward. Get out there! Oh, when leaders lead in Israel, let's go! Let's go! Like, that's what faith does. So if we have all diligence that it's the thing we're pursuing as the passion of our life, and we add to our faith, we're going in the right direction. What, you know, when you think about the day that the Lord comes for us, don't we want to be found where we're adding to our faith that day? That we're, you know, it's like putting pennies in a jar or something. Like, you want to be increasing, not decreasing. We don't want to be, Again, I go back to Jeremiah. In the book of Jeremiah, God said, I was the fountain of living water for you. But instead of, go, depending upon me in, daily with the fountains of living water, you hewed out broken cisterns for yourself. You built water storages that couldn't even hold water, stagnant water. They, they, they couldn't hold the water. They can't hold it. Broken cisterns, it has no value. You think it's this and it's broken and dead, and forsaking the living God with the living water. And that's the difference between faith and, a, and a, a growing faith and like religion, where we have religiosity, but not that dependency and that passion for the Lord. Add to your faith. Those two phrases, giving all diligence. So just put that in front of your life right now. Giving all diligence. I put that in front of my life. Giving all diligence. And get up and get after it giving all diligence. We run to win, and that's for an imperishable crown, giving all diligence. Add to your faith. Of all things we're adding to, we want to add to our faith. That's why we're here on a Tuesday night. We want to add to our faith. We got four months in front of us before it's the year 2019. We want to add to our faith in the third uh, period of this year. We're going to add to our faith. The Bible talks about how many people will depart from the faith and give heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons in the last days. We want to add to our faith in the last days. We want to be part of the solution. And and man, do you ever just lay in bed and think, what if we really are the last generation? Do you ever think that? Like, do you ever just lay in bed and think, like, what if the Lord really does come back in my generation? Because everything outside these doors that the devil sways and leads is to convince people that the Lord's not coming back in this generation but when you listen to Pastor Chuck talk about the signs of the times in 1979 and you know credit cards and Israel and Jerusalem and the gas shortages and politics and Russia you're like oh my goodness that's nothing and he was so convinced it was going to happen, that the Lord was coming in his day. I just think, how many generations have been so convinced the Lord was coming, and how much more so should we be of any generation that ready for the Lord's return? Jesus says, when the Son of Man returns, not if the Son of Man returns. He says, when the Son of Man returns, who will he find being faithful about the Father's business? When he returns. It's not if. It's when. And all those prophets in the Old Testament. When he returns it's going to be like this. The Lion and the Lamb. When he returns he's going to split the Mount of Olives. When he returns righteousness will cover the earth. As the water covers the sea. When he returns. When he returns. When he reigns. When he reigns. When he returns. It's not if he's going to return. He's going to return. It's when. And what generation. And I think to myself when I'm feeling a bit slack in faith and action, I think, what if it is my generation? So instead of like the glass being half empty by all that we've seen happen in the last 50 years on this planet, in this country, shouldn't we be the most excited people of all that God's entrusted with us the stewardship of the gospel in the last generation? And even if we're not the last generation, shouldn't we run like it is? right? Well they teach me in the Olympics, your practice averages your championship expectation. You practice with excellence like a champion, and then when, you, when it's all on the line, you perform like you do in practice. If what you are, you need to be a champion in practice so you be a champion when it's the time to go for the goal. And I think, okay, well, shouldn't I treat every day like it's the last day? Because one of these days, it is the last day, So therefore, I should be adding to my faith with all diligence like it is the last day and living that way because when it is the last day, I want to be found a champion on that day. Does that make sense? Jesus said be watching and ready. And he's reminded me to be watching and ready and to add to my faith. Now, we have seven attributes given here to add to our faith. They're all great attributes. Virtue, that's moral virtue, moral character. To be a woman of integrity, to be a man of integrity. Virtue. Oh, man. How this planet needs virtue. Women of moral integrity and men of moral integrity. Knowledge to grow in our understanding of the Lord. I think it's important for believers to be, of course, in God's Word on a, on a daily basis, but I think it's good to have extra uh, influences, whether it's like listening to Bible studies on K Wave, or like me listening to Chuck studies and how amazing they are, or, or extra books. I constantly read books from the Institute for Creation Research that, that remind me the way the universe really came into existence that it is a young earth, and it is God who did it all. And true science confirms the reality of how his word declares it to be. And I don't, my faith is strengthened. I surround myself with the influences of things that build my faith and my knowledge in the Lord. I, I grow in knowledge. I, I like to read and hear things that build my faith and grow in knowledge. And of course, obviously the best knowledge is to read through the word of God. You can have a morning devotion to the word of God, and then you can be going through the Bible almost at a quicker pace under different circumstances. I used to love Sunday nights with Pastor Chuck back in the early 2000s, because he'd read like three chapters of the Bible, and he'd hardly teach anything. He just kind of read the Bible. Like, I mean, he gave applications here and there. But like, you you go out on a Sunday night, and you just listen to three chapters of the Bible being read, you're going to walk out of there encouraged and built up and edified. I can read Chronicles chapters 1, 2, and 3 and be built up and edified. I can read three chapters of names and generations and be totally edified and built up because it's God's word and every one of those names is there for a reason and it works effectively in those who believe. I want to add knowledge. Devotion's a little different. Knowledge is what you believe and Why? knowledge of the word and and how it all connects, the different puzzle pieces of God's word and how they all come together in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Self-control. One of my favorite verses is, a a man who controls his spirit is better than one who takes a city. I've used that quite a bit with the athletes in the uh, surfing program. I just go like, hey, you know, if you can control your spirit, Right now, it's better than if you could conquer a city. Oh, yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. Where'd you get that? <laughs> but it's true. Like you can, like Alexander the Great conquered a lot of cities, but he couldn't control a spirit. He died an alcoholic in his early 30s. Couldn't control the spirit. Conquered the world, and the, a bottle of liquor conquered him. A woman who can control her spirit is better than one who takes a city. A soft answer turns away wrath. A man who can control his spirit, self control. Look at Joseph in the Old Testament. And God was with Joseph. And he controlled himself in all the different circumstances that life would throw at him. Hey, you may have a track record of lack of self control. It's a good day. Hey, How many times in the Bible do God's people just go, you know what, God, we've blown it. We're really sorry. We make a new covenant with you. From this day forward, we're going to start keeping the Passover, Josiah. Send the messengers out. like, And start tearing down the the high places and the tents of the Kadeshim. You know, just any time... Even when God pronounced judgment on Ahab, Ahab's like, well, you know, I sh- I'm sorry about that. And God's like, just because you humbled yourself, you're not going to see it in your day. You don't know what good things God has for us the moment we make a covenant and agreement with God that from this day going forward, we're going to do better than the day that preceded it. Over and over in the Bible, he rewards those things. Self-control. It's a, it's a great thing to increase by submitting to the Holy Spirit, we can gain self-control and um, to control our spirit. It's a good thing. Perseverance. Some of us can just grind it, and some of us get discouraged pretty easily. We, we, God wants us to be to persevere. He wants us to persevere. That's uh, you know, like long-term patience, perseverance, to not grow weary in doing good. To persevere. Some of us have jobs that are difficult, and God's called us to be there and to persevere. And I think we get overwhelmed when we think too far out in front of ourselves and we think, gosh, if I'm stuck in this place in a year, I won't make it. But even the Lord says in the book of James, you shouldn't say, if I'm stuck here in a year, you should just say, if the Lord wills, we'll do this tomorrow. So it's not so much, can I grind this out for another year at this job and, you know, get my. Benefits or whatever. Can I work, you know, I can't go another day with this physical disability or, or more like, I don't know, if, if I ever got this physical disability, I can't be fighting cancer two years from now. I don't have it in me. Well, you know, God's not calling you to fight cancer two years from now. What you have is today. And if he's calling you to live today, then he's putting you to have the will to fight for today because he's giving you this day. And that's how we have to look at it. Perseverance, I think the simplicity of perseverance is simply staying in the moment, not being discouraged by yesterday, and not being overwhelmed by what tomorrow might bring. Perseverance is just simply staying in the moment of being faithful today. Don't worry about Monday. Just finish Friday, and finish Friday, and seal the fruit, and the strength you need for Monday will be there on Monday. That's what we learn with perseverance. Just... Each day, one at a time. All those great missionaries. You no know, two years ago, I read the, uh, a missionary history book, uh, an uh, overview of, of most of the modern mission movement from the 1700s on. And you just read about these people, these men and women and the sacrifices they made. The sacrifices they made. When I think like when the fosters say goodbye to Danny at the airport or we say goodbye to Timmy at Long Beach or something. And he's just like, these people, man, they, they, they live for Jesus. They raised their kids to live for Jesus. And their kids got on boats and went to faraway lands, and you'd get a letter once a year and maybe hear how they were doing. And they they would have kids and grandkids and and many of them would die because of the exposure to diseases that had previously were, you know, not exposed to from your and, and what they did. You look at guys like Hudson Taylor. On oh, the perseverance, man, just bearing it, just bearing so many loved ones in China, and learning the language, and not getting discouraged, and being attacked by the Western missionaries for acclimating to the Chinese people, and starting the inland China mission, and the legacy of that to this day. In a country where the government says there is no God, there are millions of people who say Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, and they do not bow the knee to communism; they bow the knee to Jesus Christ. And a lot of those people trace their spiritual genealogy to people like Hudson Taylor who persevered through decades to be faithful, to give all diligence to add to their faith the character and to fulfill the calling. Perseverance. Godliness. Again, character. is the character of God. God is good. His people are good. God is love. God is just. God is merciful. Uh, godliness is Being like God. It's letting the Holy Spirit guide and rule our lives. A godly man. Who's the godly woman? The godly man. It's a compliment. Our world esteems ungodliness. But God esteems godliness. Brotherly kindness. Our world is very brutal and ruthless. We live in a great nation where in spite of all the rhetoric and hostilities, there is so much kindness in this country still. Compared to many countries, there are countries in the world that are so ruthless and so brutal that brotherly kindness is of the rarest of things. And yet in this country, brotherly kindness is still a very, very strong attribute in the culture of our society and in the church. We want to be those people where kindness is a mark and a fruit of our life. We want to add that to our life. And then love. And of course, we know that the love of God is is the agape love of the Holy Spirit. It's the unconditional love of serving people with no expectation in return, but just to serve them because God says serve them. To to love people. And you know how you're growing when you love people is that you can forgive them, you empathize with them, you pray for them, your heart breaks for them. And you love. I think what I think what the love of God does in a person's life, it moves you from frustration with somebody to empathy and to divine love. And I think I believe personally in my own life, having had that happen, where people who I found very frustrating who just self-implode and cause problems and create chaos, and they're just so frustrating and difficult. But as you pray for those people and you pray for those people and you go from being frustrated and heartbroken by what they do to you and to other people and to themselves and then you shift where you just have empathy or you begin to see their life and the legacy of their life and you get past how it makes you feel and you simply just see them for what they're doing and you're moved with empathy and compassion and then you come to this place you just love them and you love them with the love of God that's been shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit and you love them unconditionally and you don't love them because they're great people and kind people and have done good things for other people you love them because God so loved the world that he gave his son Jesus on that cross said father forgive them for they know not what they do and therein is a testimony, the testimony of love, and we find in our journey that Christian growth and adding, giving all diligence to add to our faith, that that love is that last thing. That's really how we want to be found. We don't want to be found on our last day that there's bitterness and wrath and unforgiveness toward anybody but that our, love, that our hearts are overflowing with love for everybody. That's not an easy place to arrive at because to get to that place, we have to get past our own uh, emotions that work against us at times. We have to take them captive and obedient to the Lord. We have to get past our opinions, which we generally have a high esteem of. We have to get past our hurt, how people have hurt us, which we tend to feel uh, defensive about. And we just have to, we have to get to the cross and we have to get to brokenness and just to see people the way God sees them. This is what the Lord wants in our life. He wants us to give all diligence to add to our faith these characters. And again, I close with this thought, ultimately the way we're going to add to our faith is through spending time in the presence of the Lord in prayer, through taking in his word, and, and really, truly seeking him. To seek him and to abide in him, and just to truly be living our lives for him on a daily basis. This is what Peter is just exhorting this early church to do. Tough times were coming. They'd already come. But this, this, this doesn't change. This is a fruitful life. This is the life the Holy Spirit's telling us and exhorting us to get after. For this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. And these are the things that God is seeking. And these are things that we should be seeking. For it will go on to say, and we'll see this next week, if these things are ours, we will neither be barren nor unfruitful. These are fruitful things that God wants to work in our life. We'll pick it up next week. Lord, we thank you for your word and its application to our lives tonight.